1: Welcome in
4: to another edition of World Soccer Talk Radio, live with you here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network and coming to you in podcast form on iTunes. Tune in, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, special hello to the men and women listening overseas via the American Forces Network and also check out the fantabulous podcast stream featuring this show and a few other fine, fine programs at World Soccer Talk Com. My name is Nate Abareya. It is a pleasure to be with you as always. Thanks for making this show a part of your daily plans. And thanks for getting involved in the Twitter sphere. Thanks for being a part of the full-time Devils Nate Abareya banter. Thanks for being a part of the Arsenal Man United banter. Thank you for being a part of the of the Swansea City banter that we had going. Thanks to the good folks from a jack to a king that were on the show. Thanks to all of you La Liga fans, all of you fans of the U.S. men's national team who enjoy those throwback Thursday pictures of those great U.S. men's national team squads over the years. Whether you're English, whether you're from South Africa, you're an Aussie, you're a Mexican, you're a Canadian, wherever you're from, the game of soccer is what connects us. Get involved on Twitter because we are having so much fun of late. And again, that word, banter, it is getting oh so good. And in all the right ways. It's all in good spirits. It's all in good fun. Tweet me at NateWST. Again, follow me on Twitter and get at me with the love mail and the hate mail that you are oh so good at sending at NateWST, at World soccer Talk for all of your other soccer-inclined gold in the Twitter sphere. Always oh, talk about our great relationship that we have with the good folks at BN Sports. That continues today as Andres Cordero is going to be joining us. And we're going to talk a little, sort mm, of the right way to put this. We'll be comparing and contrasting La Liga to the Premier League in regards to European competition. There's people who raise this question that maybe. Do La Liga teams have it easier in the Champions League because of what they're going against week to week? Or are those just people who are sympathizers and excuse makers for the English clubs? We'll pose that question and a whole lot more to Andres Cordero of BN Sports right here on World Soccer Talk Radio. And we're talking Cristiano Ronaldo a little bit later. Stay tuned.
3: the world's best matches live wherever you are with fox soccer to go watch select live matches on your smartphone on your tablet and on your computer get the app get the games and get your fix
5: live soccer and more anytime anywhere sign up to watch the bundesliga and champions league at SoccerOnDish.com.
6: This is a special announcement for all Americans who owe back taxes to the IRS or state pay attention. There is a special toll-free hotline set up especially for you. This hotline will give you free information on how you can legally reduce or eliminate your tax debt. Call the Consumer Tax Hotline today at 1-800-282-1646. Grab a pin or put the number in your cell phone, but call 1-800-282-1646. When you call, you will speak with qualified companies that will tell you how to stop the collection calls, IRS letters, bank levies, and wage garnishments. Plus, these companies will deal directly with the IRS on your behalf, so you won't have to. Even if you haven't filed returns or you're already in a payment plan, you can still get relief. The current government administration is very amicable and wants to work out a program in your best interest, but this won't last forever. And your tax problem only gets worse if you do nothing or try to handle it yourself. It does make a big difference in who you call. So call the consumer tax hotline today for free information. 1-800-282-1646. That's 1-800-282-1646. They're out there.
0: Gunk corrosion and wear relentlessly preying on engines but new shell v-power nitro plus premium gasoline provides unbeatable protection from gunk and corrosion and superior protection against wear for the best total engine protection you can get stay ahead of engine threats with new shell v-power nitro plus premium gasoline today
5: If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, Cheers. And
3: now more of World Soccer Talk Radio right here on Sports Byline and SportsByline.com.
4: Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abrea. Pleasure to have you with us here in this edition of the show. We're going to be joined here in a few moments by Andres cordero of BN Sports and talking a little La Liga and a little comparing and contrasting of English teams to Spanish teams in European competition and something that a lot of English friends of mine have been throwing out of late and I've been reading this on Twitter and reading this in articles from publications uh, all across the United Kingdom and even folks on the European continent raising this, even Spanish journalists raising this as well, but not nearly as many Spanish journalists compared to the amount of English journalists that are raising this question or or their concern. And that is that the, the downfall, this perceived downfall of English teams and their performance in the champions league is based on the toughness top to bottom of the Barclays premier league. And it's, it's a valid point that that week in week out you look at what, take Chelsea, for example, last year, who, who were dominant champions of, of the Barclays Premier League. One of the teams that, that they had their toughest encounters of the year with was a team that got relegated in, in Burnley. And you look at the Premier League top to bottom and, and that English grit and the, 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 the cold Wednesday night at Stoke City and things uh, of that ilk. And people talk about the toughness of the Premier League top to bottom. And they've brought up this idea that it hinders... English teams in Europe, and it's something that La Liga sides don't have to deal with nearly as much, that you've got Real Madrid, you've got Barcelona, you've got the next few, you've got what Atletico Madrid should certainly be right there with what they've done under Diego Simeone in recent years. Uh, my beloved Basque boys in, in Bilbao are, are right there as teams that can can nick points off, off of the top dogs and, and be a part of that top dog fight. So you got your, your Bill Bowles. you got other teams, you got great stories all the time in La Liga. You got teams that, that get hot streaks, get good 10-match uh, good streaks running along. But overall, I think it's pretty unanimous that top to bottom, La Liga is not as strong as England. And that head-to-head, those teams in La Liga may have an advantage over English sides in terms of European competition based on what they're going against or or what they're not going against week in, week out in their domestic league. Now, again, I I bring up this term English sympathizers. Is, Is it possible that the people that are saying this are just trying to make excuses for these English teams? Very much a possibility. Very much a possibility. However. I, I think it's, it needs to be looked at objectively. I think it needs to be looked at objectively, and we need to think about how the strength of the Premier League, and look, this goes back, for all of you who listened to the World Soccer Talk podcast last year, the Premier, our Premier League review show, we talked about this so much. I said all throughout last year that I thought it was just a down year in the Premier League. I thought it was very much a down year in the Premier League and the squads from year to year in the 2014-2015 season were just not as good as in years past. And I thought that was reflected by their performances in Europe. I thought it was actually more reflected by the parody beneath Chelsea. And even the amount of times that Manchester City had opportunities to sneak back in to the title race last year. The fact that Liverpool, with all of their monumental struggles and just piss-poor performances under Brendan Rodgers last year, they were in the race for fourth place all the way down to the last couple of weeks of the season. That Manchester United were able to just slide back in to the top four after everything that Louis van Gaal went through and all all the struggles at Old Trafford last year that Man United just kind of casually leaked back in to the top four I thought all of those were reflections of a down year in the Premier League and I didn't buy in to the the notion that Premier League teams have it tougher in Europe because of what they're playing against week in, week out in the Prem. But I had a whole summer to think about this. I had a whole summer of international football and being away from from Premier League soccer and being away from La Liga and being away from from the European leagues. I had some time to really think this through. And in hindsight, which, as we all know, is 2020, the more time that I've had to, to look at this thing, I really think there is something to it. And I do think that as far as the, the UEFA Champions League goes, I do think that English teams have it a little bit tougher than teams in La Liga. Germany, debatable. I think the, the Bundesliga is getting stronger and stronger, but I still think you could make the same, the same claim uh, in regards to comparing and contrasting the Premier League to the Bundesliga, that, that what Bayern Munich has to go up against week in, week out, is not... And I don't want to get this misconstrued here. I don't want to say that, that you know a team in the mid-level of the Bundesliga is just not as good as, as a team in the mid-level of the Premier League, or a team in the mid-level of La Liga is just not as good. The footballers, the, the players are just not as good as a team in the Premier League. That's not what I'm saying. It's the culture of the Premier League. It's the fight of the Premier League. The fight and the bite and the grit of the Premier League that I think really wears these teams down. But I think absolutely for a team like Manchester United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City, the four that are in the Champions League this year, I think their week-in, week-out slates absolutely hinder them when it comes to European competition. Now, depth is, is the biggest thing here. And and the deeper the squad, the more chance you're going to have of being able to juggle grueling competitions like a Premier League season, like a 38-game Premier League season, European competition, top-notch European competition, like the Champions League. And then you throw in, God, the League Cup, and and what's becoming, without a doubt, the, the third fiddle, which is completely the third fiddle, which is the FA Cup. I mean, one of my favorite things in all the world, something that's oh so near and dear to my heart. As a soccer fan. And balancing all those things. Obviously, depth is is the biggest key here, but your your top eleven is still your top eleven. And if your top eleven is taken whack after whack after bruising challenge after cold, frigid Wednesday night lunging, sliding challenges in the Premier League and the culture of physicality in in the Premier League and what these teams still represent, what these fan bases love and what endears these players to their fan bases. I always use Stoke City as an example. I love Stoke City. They're authentically British. They're an authentic English side and and perennial middle-of-the-table team that, that survives via their grit and, and their challenge and some people would say their filthiness at times over the years regardless of, of who their manager is. I think Stoke City is a fine example of a team that has really stemmed down culturally and stayed relatively the same as a football club. And I, I go back to the Burnley example that Chelsea last year struggled against a team like Burnley. Burnley gave them all sorts of issues. Who's the Burnley equivalent in La Liga? Find me a team In the bottom five of La Liga that's going to go in and not only maybe nick a point or, God forbid, a win off of a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, but find me that team in La Liga that's going to just out-nasty them, that's going to find a way to out-physical a Barcelona or an Atletico Madrid or a Real Madrid. I don't think that exists as much in La Liga. And I think we need to look at the physicality of the Premier League and keep it in mind, bear in mind that physicality and what these teams and what these players go through week in, week out in their domestic league and look at them kind of, at times, limping in to Europe. Now, you may have heard that whole spiel and you might be saying to yourself right now, oh my God, Nate has just become another one of those English sympathizers, one of those excuse makers. For those premier league clubs no 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 go back and listen to the old podcast from last year we'll see how i'm trying to look at this thing objectively that's what i want to do on this show that's what i want you to do i pose that question to you right now as we head to break do english teams have it tougher in the champions league than a la liga team based on what they go through week in week out in their domestic league think about it we're back after this on world soccer talk radio sports byline broadcasting network
5: If you're a soccer fan and you want to cut the cord and watch more of the beautiful game, NGSN may be the online streaming service you're looking for. FreeSoccerTrial.com. With NGSN, you get live, legal, and on-demand access to matches from the Eredivisie, J-League from Japan, K-League from Korea, Argentina's Primera Division, Portugal, Ecuador, Russian Premier League, as well as leagues from Bolivia, Venezuela, and more. The games are in HD and commentaries are available in your choice of English or Spanish, and this is a completely new and legal way to watch soccer games in the US. Try it and I think you'll be impressed. All you have to do is go to freesoccertrial.com and sign up today for your free 30-day trial to NGSN. Again, that's freesoccertrial.com. Free soccer trial. Com. Cheers. They're out
0: there, gunk, corrosion, and wear, relentlessly preying on engines. But new Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline provides unbeatable protection from gunk and corrosion, and superior protection against wear for the best total engine protection you can get. Stay ahead of engine threats with new Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline today.
7: It's fall, and there's plenty of outdoor entertaining left to do, starting at the Home Depot. With everything you need to spice up your backyard, frame your yard with a new fence, enjoy the cool, crisp air on a cool, new deck. From small upgrades like railing and lighting to a whole new outdoor living area, now's the time to give the backyard an upgrade. Let's do this. Get the best prices on decking and fencing now at the Home Depot. More saving. More doing
3: best matches live wherever you are with fox soccer to go watch select live matches on your smartphone on your tablet and on your computer get the app
5: get the games and get your fix live soccer and more anytime anywhere sign up to watch the bundesliga and champions league at soccer on dish.com.
4: Welcome back in to World Soccer Talk Radio here on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. We're still trying to locate Andres Cordero. If anybody knows where Andres Cordero is, uh, give me a call or shoot me a tweet. World Soccer Talk Radio, you're listening to it on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Thanks for subscribing to us in podcast form, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, special load of the men and women overseas listening on the American Forces Network. Get involved. In the Twitter sphere, at Nate WST to send me all the love mail and all the hate mail at World Soccer Talk for all of us. And it's the, kind of the question of the day. Question of the day. Hey, a little hey, hey, question of the day. Do English teams have it tougher in the Champions League based on what they go through week in week out in their domestic league? I used that example in the in the last segment about Chelsea and Burnley. Last year, you know, who is the, the La Liga equivalent of Burnley, a team that is going to get relegated, but is still going to get wins against Manchester City and an out physical Chelsea and, and truly drive Chelsea crazy. I remember the Maddit situation last year, physicality and, and brutal physicality that just drove a team like Chelsea crazy, a team that was dominant champions last year. Who is that team? in La Liga that is going to batter and bruise a Real Madrid, a Barcelona, or an Atletico Madrid, or or another club, even even looking at the Europa League and Spanish team success in the Europa League. Who's that team that's going to batter and bruise Real or Barca on a Sunday and then force them to limp in to a Champions League match on a Wednesday? I don't think that team—I don't want to say it doesn't exist in La Liga— and I'm sure there's fans from so many leagues right now who, who are listening to this, jumping up, saying, hey, there's teams in Serie A that you could, say, replicate that over the years. There's teams in, in the Bundesliga. So let's not be overly sympathetic and and apologetic to, to these English teams. But at the same time, without being labeled as an excuse maker, I want to look at this thing objectively. And I, wanted, I want you to think about this objectively and, and just there's nothing wrong with asking questions on this show. I think that's what this show and that this platform is all about. Has the growth of the Premier League been detrimental to English club's success in the Champions League? That is the, the simplest way that I can put this question. Has the advancement and, and just the, the overall, the money, the globalization, the, the strength, even, you could say, in the middle of the pack, the parody of, of the Premier League. Have all of those things that we would look at as advancements of the league that, that I've watched my whole life, and I'm a fan of, of so many leagues, but I've, I've grown up with the Prem. Has the advancement of the Premier League in England and in Wales, a couple other a couple sides as well, with Cardiff and Swansea over the last few years, has the advancement of the Barclays Premier League hindered the success of these teams from the Premier League in UEFA Champions League competition? That's the question. Let me know your thoughts at NateWST and at World Soccer Talk. had a great conversation last night with a couple of folks from across the pond, one actually in Spain and, and one in England. And I've had this conversation actually with a lot of American sports journalists of late, shifting topics here completely and also some breaking uh, FIFA news. Actually, some <laughs> breaking soda company news that we'll get to here before the end of this segment, and how it relates to set bladder. And a little bit later in the show, actually in the final segment coming up this Sunday, talk about the rabble cast with my good friends from the Full Time Devils, Gaz and Adam, doing the uh, Arsenal Manchester United match. That same day is the Merseyside Derby. And if you've listened to the show, you know me. You know how much the Merseyside Derby means to me as a fan and, and just as, as a person and, and my connections to Merseyside. That Liverpool-Everton match is going to be taking place before the Arsenal-Man United match. Arsenal-Man United, as I talked about with Adam yesterday on the show, is a fixture that really, really poked at the embers of, of fiery passion in my soccer heart as a child. That, that really instilled... a a just, I use nasty in all the right senses here, a nasty passion for the game of soccer, and specifically for English football. Arsenal-Manchester United is actually more than, other than my love for Liverpool, my love for the Derby, Manchester United-Arsenal as a head-to-head matchup did probably more than any other matchup. Than any you even I throw in throw in USA Mexico in that growing up in a in a ninety percent Mexican town what what USA Mexico meant to me. I mean, hearing hearing lessons from from my expats folks who who brought me up from England who talked about England Argentina and I, I embraced that one too. But Arsenal Manchester United was in its prime right when I was growing up and right when I was falling in love with the English game. And so this fixture has a real real special spot in my heart and. I had a great chat with Gaz and Adam actually late, late last night here on the West Coast of, uh, of the USA in Northern California and with them uh, uh, getting their day going over in Manchester. I want to read you something, uh, an article that I actually found a little bit later. You might enjoy it. it might be a little inflammatory, but it's, I, I think it's going to be good radio, so you'll, you'll enjoy it. It's all about my uh, uh, feelings towards American Manchester United fans. and I know we have few thousand of you that listen to this show. So you should definitely stay tuned uh, for that. But I want to go back to actually another conversation that I had last night. I talked about it with a colleague uh, from Spain and another colleague from England. I've talked about this actually on an American sports level uh, with a lot of people in recent months. Because people just raise good questions every now and again. And, and I think about time travel. I think about time travel as something that, who knows, you know, a few years from now it could be possible. I always think about... This social media era that we live in, you hear the term millennials and, and our, our social media era and the dependence on on social media and especially the rise of Twitter. I'm always promoting our, our World Soccer Talk Twitter page and, and getting at me and I, I promote banter. I promote, I mean, as long as it's not violent and, and you know, as long as it doesn't provoke any violence or anything or, or really horrible calls to action, I have no problem with your hate mail. I love your hate mail. I, I encourage you to send it. I encourage you to get involved. Banter with me. Have at me. Punch me in the gut, theoretically, on Twitter. Do your thing. If you hate Liverpool, hate Liverpool on Twitter, get at me. I love Twitter. I love athletes on Twitter. I love movie stars on Twitter. I love celebrities on social media. And there is a friend of mine who posed this, actually, we were talking about Major League Baseball and and uh, Jonathan Papelbon, uh, the pitcher who's actually just gotten in headlines for uh, tackling Bryce Harper in the Washington Nationals dugout a few days ago. And and Paps, as he's uh, affectionately known, is, is a real wild character. Some would say not the sharpest knife in the drawer, not the brightest bulb in the lamp. Uh, and he, he definitely gets in spats with his own fans over the years, whether it's in Boston or Philadelphia or Washington. Someone threw out uh, you know, this thought of, of God, you know, Jonathan Papelbon on social media. That's, that's the last thing that this guy needs. It's the last thing that so many of these athletes of, of that mental style, the last thing they need is a Twitter account. The last thing they need is to be on Facebook or be on any sort of social media, especially Twitter with, with the rise of popularity of Twitter. And when I said back to to my friend this summer and this was us talking about baseball and i've heard other people bring this up and and my friend from from espana brought this up could you imagine certain athletes of the past the the controversial characters the the off field maybe crazy ones for for lack of a better way to put it crazy in, in so many love many times lovable ways could you imagine great athletes of the past who had a bit of a crazy streak to them, that you could say the partiers, the, the controversial ones, ones who got into a little trouble off the field. Could you imagine Diego Maradona with a Twitter account? Could you imagine Giorgio Kinalia dealing with the era of social media? Could you imagine Paul Gascoigne Dealing with social media. We brought this up with American sports, We're talking about guys like Dion Sanders. Dennis Rodman. Can you imagine Dion Sanders? You imagine prime time on Twitter. And imagine the trouble that he would potentially get himself in. Imagine Dennis Rodman during the glory of the 90s Chicago Bulls in the NBA. Imagine Dennis Rodman on Twitter. And there's all these lessons that these players are getting and players who get themselves in trouble. They'll oh god, they'll they'll criticize a referee on Twitter and, and get a, a one or two match suspension. They'll they'll say something about their night out that gets them fined by their club. And and the the things that these players have to adhere to today, it, it's so unique and it's so based on the social media era that we live in. A lot of people, I think, are too quick to damn these players and say, oh, how stupid can you be posting that stuff on social media, and then and, and why do you even need a Twitter account? Oh, that's just only going to bring bad news to you as a professional soccer player or, or a baseball player, a basketball player, whatever it may be. Take a second and think about some of your favorite players of the past we'll focus on soccer here to close this spiel because some of your favorite soccer players of the past who had a bit of a crazy streak to them could you imagine those guys dealing with social media imagine I, I, I wrote these three out before the show because they were the first three that popped into my mind imagine Giorgio Quinalia Diego Maradona and Paul Gascoigne with Twitter handles imagine the interactions that they would potentially get in with folks around the Twitter sphere. Hey, before we had to break, Coca-Cola has formally come out and asked Seth Ladder to resign. We talked about this the other day on the show. It's going to take big money sponsors, not only polling money, but big money sponsors coming out and calling for Seth Ladder to resign. For Seth Ladder to fully step down before these farcical February elections. We'll see what it all means, but Coca-Cola has taken a stand. Those cute little polar bears up there drinking their bottles of coke they don't like set bladder we're back after this on world soccer talk radio talking merseyside derby and arsenal man united
1: stay tuned
2: Sports betting and daily fantasy sports will never be the same with advanced algorithmic tools from SwishAnalytics.com. With data-driven bet recommendations for every MLB game every day and a suite of daily fantasy tools including player projections and optimized lineups, it's easier than ever to beat the sportsbooks and your daily fantasy competition at SwishAnalytics.com. Get started today with your 7-day free trial and start making the smart bets and daily fantasy plays every single day with SwishAnalytics.com. That's SwishAnalytics.com.
1: Smarter sports. Bet on it. Geico applauds your inner happy camper.
0: A merit badge of awesomeness goes out to the part of you that wants to put the recreation in recreational vehicle. The part of you that packs up everything and everybody in the RV and says, let's get this show on the road. Because Geico has specialized agents who help save money on more than just car insurance. Geico will insure that entire RV so you can get the s'more making, poison ivy dodging, same song singing, ghost storytelling, campfire building, best time you ever had with your family, show on the road.
7: Geico for your RV. See how much you could save. It's fall, and there's plenty of outdoor entertaining left to do, starting at the Home Depot. With everything you need to spice up your backyard, frame your yard with a new fence, enjoy the cool, crisp air on a cool new deck. From small upgrades like railing and lighting to a whole new outdoor living area, now's the time to give the backyard an upgrade. Let's do this. Get the best prices on decking and fencing now at the Home Depot. More saving. More doing.
8: Eight ninety five. Football season is back, and this time around, it's all about you, the fan. Thanks to Rabble.tv, now you can call the action for your favorite college and pro teams for free. Just mute your TV and provide your own play-by-play or armchair commentary. Or listen to other fans like you who love your team as much as you do. With Rabble.tv, you can create and enjoy sports broadcasts created by fans on your desktop, through your iOS or Android app, or through your mobile browser. We want to hear you watch the game. So blitz the booth this football season and go to Rabble.tv to schedule a broadcast cast today
4: World Soccer Talk Radio, back here with you on the Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. My name is Nate Abareya, and this Sunday, Manchester United has got an opportunity to make a, you know this, you know this, I love this one, a statement of intent in the Premier League as the Red Devils face Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium, and bringing you the game on rabble.tv. It's my good pals Gaz and Adam, the blokes, from the full-time Devils, the most popular United channel on YouTube. They'll take you through the match live on rabble.tv. With rabble, you know the concept. Tune into the TV broadcast. Mute button, then head over to Rabble, listen to them sharing their analysis. True fans calling the game. With Rabble, you can listen to the broadcast on your desktop, iOS app, and your mobile browser. Join in, post questions, observations in the comment section, or create your own broadcast. We've had so many great play-by-play broadcasters on this show, and many of them share a similar outlook in terms of what Rabble represents. Cut your teeth. You have an opportunity for free to just press the record button, press go and record your own broadcast, record a Rabblecast, call a live game, cut your teeth as a broadcaster. And again, this Sunday, join the full-time Devils, 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call, Gaz and Adam, the only folks in the entire world that can take my hatred of Manchester United from a 10 out of 10 down to a 9.8 out of 10. Enjoy them, 7.45 a.m. on the West Coast, 10.45 a.m. Eastern Time in the U.S. of A. We are now joined by Andres Cordero of BN Sports. Andres, you there? Yeah, I'm here, Nate. How are you? Oh, Doing great. Good to, good to get you on here. And, and it's just in time because I've been ranting and raving about this. And I think actually ending with trying to end my sentences with question marks as much as possible and, and pose this question to the listeners. And I've talked about this with folks who are, are based in Spain. And I've talked about it quite a bit more Uh, with folks who are in England. It's kind of the question of the day here in this edition of World Soccer Talk Radio, and that is, do English teams have a hindrance going against them based on the strength from top to bottom of the Premier League, based on the physicality top to bottom of the Premier League? Do they have it harder going in to Champions League competition than a team... From La Liga, based on, on the reasons that, that I kind of spell out there, or is this just a bunch of English apologists, English sympathizers, and excuse makers making excuses for these poor performances from English teams that are simply unacceptable, or is there something to these points? What do you think, Andres?
2: Oh, there there may be, but uh, in my opinion, I do think it's a little bit apologetic uh, because I, I believe better competition makes you a better side and, and not the other way around, uh, especially when it's this early in the season where maybe the physicality of it uh, doesn't factor in quite as much. You, your, the legs shouldn't be quite as fatigued. Players should still be uh, either getting into shape or in relatively good shape. Maybe down uh, toward the end of the season, injuries tend to factor a little bit more, but when you see the teams like Chelsea and uh Liverpool struggling in European competition and in many cases against uh, far inferior uh competition I'm not sure I'm buying the argument that it's got anything to do with the strength of the Premiership and I've actually heard the argument used the other way uh when talking about teams like Bayern Munich maybe pre you know their trouble with Heynckes and this Guardiola era and certainly with Paris Saint-Germain that not enough competition in their domestic campaign that being able to sort of sleepwalk uh through uh, a league season doesn't uh, necessarily help them when it comes to ramping up that competition in uh, the Champions League and the Europa League. So I'm not sure that uh, that I'm buying that it's the strength of the Premier League that's causing these these teams to to struggle in Europe. I think it's uh, they are not quite as as great as uh, advertised in some cases, and certainly not to the level of a, a Barcelona, uh, a Real Madrid, or a Bayern Munich. And they should be because they've got they've got the players. Um, when you look at the the, the rosters of uh, Chelsea, Manchester City, they should be able to compete at that level.
4: Well, you, you touch on a couple of really good points there, and I am curious to expand on this. And maybe if you can throw out a, a few other reasons that that pop into your mind, why English teams have struggled so much over over the last few seasons in in the Champions League specifically. We 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 could get into the to the Europa League as a, as its own basket as well, but but specifically in regards to the UEFA Champions League, what are some of the other reasons why you think English teams have struggled so much over the last few seasons?
2: You know that, that's it's a very good question. I, I spend most of my, uh, my my working hours covering uh, La Liga, Serie A, Ligue on. Uh, It's hard for me to really speak on, on what what it is about uh, English clubs. That, uh, that sees them struggle in European competition. I think Chelsea Well, then I can the twist to... this,
4: Andres. Andres, we could actually yeah. twist this back to La Liga. What is it about <laughs> a team like Atletico Madrid, for example, uh, or, or even a Barcelona or a Real Madrid? What is it that have given La Liga teams that that edge over the last couple of seasons in the Champions League? It's right in, in the similar topic there.
2: Yeah, in my mind, um, you know, Spanish football doesn't get the, the necessarily the coverage that the Premier League does. Um, there isn't as much English language material out there, uh, tactics, talks, analysts, the, the punditry. I mean, I think the Premier League certainly benefits from, from the media coverage and the, and the package. It's, it's just such a beautiful product, and the stadiums are full. And so it has this air of being the most elite, the highest level of football played. Visually, you know, when you, when you just do the eye test, but you look a little bit deeper and in my mind, I think the highest level of football being played is in Spain and when you consider the, uh, the level of the Spanish national team, the number of young Spanish players that, uh, that feed, um, the, the mid-tier clubs, uh, in Spain, the lower-tier clubs in Spain. I mean, it really is, they're technically gifted players, they're creative, inventive. Um, I don't think there is a higher level of league football played anywhere in the world than what we see in La Liga. And it's not just um, Barcelona and Real Madrid. You see five Spanish clubs uh, in the Champions League this season. It's unprecedented, even though all five are kind of struggling in the early season. None of the five Spanish Champions League clubs are playing at their best right now. Some of that due to injuries with teams like Sevilla and Barcelona. but. Uh, uh, I just don't think there's a higher level of football and that translates to the European stage. When you get the best against the best, I think um Spain tends to stand out. And and to some extent the the rise of Italian football has to be a little bit troublesome um for England. If they don't get their act together, obviously everybody's keeping an eye on those coefficients uh because Serie A performs so well last year and because uh... that cutoff point which is the 2010-2011 year, is about to be a race a year in which the premier league did quite well in europe city significantly less well um... once that year is out of the way i think that gap between italy and uh, england kind of closes to some extent and uh... what was it six teams to the knockout stages of a uh, european competition last year from italy uh... Juventus making it all the way to the final so there's some cause for concern there that uh, maybe you go the other way with your original question. It's not that uh, the competition in the Premier League is so good. It's maybe that it's not good enough.
4: Andres Cordero, love your work with BN Sports, and, and I love your knowledge. And and quite important to me is is your passion for, for both Italian Serie A and for La Liga. And it has me wondering, and a lot of people wondering... Where did you grow up and, and who did you first support? How did you develop these passions for, for La Liga and Serie A? Who was your first soccer team that you watched and supported?
5: Well,
2: I, I've always loved, uh, loved the sport, but didn't. And, and I, you know, like many uh, Amer- I'm actually, I was born in Cuba, um, and I, I came over at a very young age uh, to the United States and, and was a multi sport um, athlete, loved just sports in general. Uh, it was relatively uh, early, or, or in, about right in high school, when I visited Spain for the first time. I went to the Camp nou and I watched uh, I watched Barcelona play during an era in which Barcelona were not doing a whole lot of winning. But I saw an aesthetic to to soccer that maybe wasn't even considered in American soccer. It wasn't certainly there wasn't as much uh, football broadcasted in the U.S. back then. I, I think this is uh, even pre Gold TV, so. Uh, You really couldn't watch games on a weekend on a regular basis. I think ESPN had the right to the Champions League. They would show one game midweek, and it was always Manchester United. And then suddenly I I find myself in in this beautiful city, Barcelona, this this gorgeous stadium, watching just this champagne football. And and I'm thinking, what is this? Where has this been all my life? And I I was just hooked from that moment on. I, 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 I... Kind of shunned other sports to, to an extent and quickly soccer just shot up to, to the top of my list and i've dedicated my life to it ever since uh to the extent that right away i was uh i basically got into college and, and became the uh sports um director for my collegiate radio station and i was you know big emphasis on soccer doing li- uh, live games from the stadium um that translated into gold tv and nb and sports so.
4: and what what college was that FyU, Florida international university Beautiful, beautiful FIU. It's funny because I have a story at my college radio station of of just getting blasted week in, week out for, for my daily news production where I'd always do a, a world soccer minute and I'd be told by the professor every time, every now and again, no one cares, stop doing this. And I say, no, I, I have the power to do this. I'm going to keep doing this because someday I'm going to be a real radio guy. And anyway, yeah, here we are today. So, Andres, I want to know, you talk about those memories in Barcelona and you talk about an interesting era for Barcelona, and a lot of people that are, that are new to Barca, they, they might not even know that going back to the 90s and the early 2000s, Barcelona had had a big fall-off uh, from, from glories of the past. But within even those times were some great, great stars. Who were some of the first players that you remember really falling in love with? I love you used the term champagne football. Who were the players that were, were bubbling the most for you when you first watched Barcelona play?
2: Yeah, you think back to, you know, that period from like 98, 99 to about 2004 until Frank Reichardt got there and Barcelona were not winning anything. In fact, in, in Frank Reichardt's first season, they finished fourth in La Liga, right, which you finish fourth in La Liga now as a Barcelona or Real Madrid, the manager's being fired immediately, and uh I think uh, Barcelona had the foresight to to put their trust in Reichardt. The, the Dutchman actually led them to that uh first Champions League title since 1992, but uh, you're right, those the late 90s, uh, early 2000s were a real disaster for Barca, but they, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the strongest teams, but they did have some uh, fantastic players, and I've actually had the opportunity to meet, uh, some of the guys from that era, um, while working here at BN Sports. In fact, uh, just a couple weeks back, I called the, uh, Sal World Cup Qualifier, and, uh, Patrick Clivert is now manager of a Sal <laughs> national team. He's gotten them as far as they've ever been in World Cup qualifying, but just fell shy, uh, against El Salvador, uh, in that two-legged affair. And Clybert was just so optimistic about uh, about Curaçao. And they actually had some pretty decent players. I was very, I was very pleasantly surprised. And so, you know, Clybert in that era played with the likes of, like, Sonny Anderson, uh, Rivaldo. You know, it was, it, they were, there were some really very good players on that team. Just collectively, they didn't perform very well. And part of that had to do with um, real turmoil in, in the front office. Um, it's something that Barcelona have been dealing with the last uh, few seasons. And it's been a surprise, really. That, uh, that team has managed to overcome a lot of uh, diversity. And I don't want to make this sound like some snappy uh, sports trope movie, but um, when you consider the passing of Tito Villanova, who was supposed to be some sort of a long-term replacement for Pep Guardiola to keep that idea alive, uh, the uh, all of the controversy surrounding Neymar's transfer, which basically cost uh, a president and Sandra Roussel, forced to sort of resign in disgrace. The current board is kind of an extension of that. Uh, the tax fraud allegations regarding... Uh, several of the players, not just Lionel Messi, I mean, they've got all of these off-the-field distractions, which are the kind of things that in that 99-2004 era um, seem to sort of dismantle the team, but they've been able to overcome it, and maybe they're just infinitely more talented now than at any other point in their history. It also helps to have that little, uh, I think Lionel Messi is his name, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right.
4: And the the guy with the big teeth who, you know, likes to do things with the teeth. He's not bad either. I miss him at Liverpool quite a bit. Andres Cordero is with us of BN Sports. Andres, we've got two minutes left here with you. And I talk about kind of the question of the day with that whole comparing and contrasting uh, within the Champions League of the difficulties for English teams compared to La Liga teams. Let's push that one aside. There's actually another kind of question of the day that I'm posing to the listeners. And it's a fun one. I've talked with people from from Spain about this. I've talked with people in, in the American sports with the NFL and, and the NBA and Major League Baseball about this. It's a really fun one, and we'll have to keep this very brief, unfortunately, but I can't wait to get your thoughts on this real quick. We hear all about the social media age and, and players being irresponsible on social media and tweeting irresponsible things and getting themselves suspended or fined for things that they put on social media, and I think fans are so quick to damn these players and go, oh, "How how irresponsible, how silly can these guys be? How do you think, I threw out five names earlier, I'm going to throw the five names to you. How do you think the likes of Giorgio Quinalia, Diego Maradona, (laughs) Paul Gascoigne, Dion Sanders, and Dennis Rodman, how do you think those five individuals would have done in the social media era, all five of them with Twitter handles? And we got 60 seconds before we got to have to break.
2: Yeah, none of those guys would be allowed to carry a smartphone, honestly. If I'm the manager of any one of those players, I, I keep all smartphones, all electronics away from them, kind of confine them to a locker room if I can. Uh, no, it, it is, well, we, we are, we've gotten a bit ridiculous. Uh, and you know, some of it comes from the clubs in, in terms of it's so corporate now that uh, you want to sort of give this pristine image, but a lot of it is this feigned outrage from fans that i have never quite understood, the kind of stuff that maybe they chuckle if another fan or someone they know says, if if, if it's said by, you know, another player, then they act all indignant, and uh, I try to pay as little attention to it as possible, but it it is an interesting age. I think it's not just uh, footballers, to be honest, I think in terms of, like, our privacy and and the illusion of anonymity on the internet, I think we're all sort of adjusting to that, and obviously, uh, athletes are at the forefront of it because they're so public.
4: Andres Cordero, you can check him out on BN Sports. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully you can come back again sometime, man.
2: I'd love to. Thanks for the call.
4: Again, that was Andres Cordero of BN Sports. Oh, how much I love the good folks from BN. World Soccer Talk Radio, back with you after this. Sports Byline Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned.
0: Call Lear Capital now.
1: 800-631-9229.
4: My two favorite fixtures in English football are taking place this Sunday. Merseyside Derby at Goodison, followed by, I wish they were playing it at Highbury, then it would really be my, my favorite fixture. But it's Arsenal hosting Manchester United. Hopefully they can get a little atmosphere at the Emirates. That would be mighty nice, bring back the glory of that rivalry that instilled such a great passion for English soccer. I posed this on Twitter earlier I, I asked all of you Liverpool and Everton fans that listen to this show and follow me on Twitter and follow at World Soccer Talk, what was your favorite Merseyside Derby memory? There's so many great ones to choose from. I grew up with a cassette tape of the 1989 FA Cup final. which had so much emotion tied into it and ended up with an incredible 3-2 win for Liverpool. A few 3 2 wins for Liverpool in uh, relatively recent Derby history, but that one was was post Hillsborough, 100,000 scousers on Wembley Way chanting Mercy Side together. That one's real special to me, and that was before my time. As far as in my life, there is none finer than April 3rd, 1999. Liverpool 3, Everton 2 at Anfield. I was in Liverpool for this, just got off the train in time to see Robbie Fowler score a goal, sink to his knees, answering to the abuse of Everton fans, and simulating the snorting of something by dropping down to the touchline. And I love, we we remember the Gerard Houllier uh, quote. Oh, no, he wasn't doing anything that had to do with cocaine. He was doing a Cameroonian grass-eating celebration that he learned from his teammate Rigobert Song. Oh, yeah. Robbie Fowler, a.k.a. God. How about Liverpool 3, Everton 2? And the Derby on Sunday. Enjoy Arsenal, Man United unravel. Enjoy the Derby. Love you. Talk to you soon. Nate Abareas signing off.
7: Planning for your next trip.